Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film Everything Everywhere All at Once. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do listen without having seen it, just be aware there may be spoilers. Enjoy. Six <laughs> extremely dramatic opening to this episode. There, generals gathered in their masses. Um, I didn't watch that link you sent me yet. I just wanted you didn't want you to think that I was ignoring the text message you sent me about half an hour ago, advising me to listen to T Pain's cover of War Pigs. <laughs> but I appreciate your. I I like your version of War Pigs. Yeah, I don't think I ever heard a cover of War Pigs that I didn't like. No, and actually. This is going to... You know how serious I am when I say this. I think I like the T-Pain version more than the Faith No More version. What? And you know how much I love Faith No More and their version of War Pigs. This I gotta hear. Fun fact, I, I heard... That was the first version of the song that I ever heard. Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh, wow. I was aware of Sabbath and like Paranoid and stuff, but um, yeah. we had the real thing. Like my, my friend James bought it when we were in maybe year 9 or year 10. And we we sat down at school and listened to it, and that came on, and we, we, like blew our minds. And then we didn't realize it was a cover for ages, actually. Oh, it's such a great song. That that whole album, actually, Paranoid by by Black Sabbath. I I think a lot of those classic albums of that era. Maybe there's other things those artists have done that are better, or maybe they're a bit overrated because they're so well known in the popular culture. But actually, Paranoid by Black Sabbath is an incredible album. I think the video for Ozzy Osbourne's "Bark at the Moon" definitely threatens to take that crown. <laughs> It's true. It's true. Um, but yeah, no, War Pigs, an all-time great song. And yeah, the 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 Faith No More version is incredible. But actually, yeah, I love the T Pain version. It's so good. Oh, I have genuinely, to check it out. genuinely amazing. Really, really great version. Like discovering a new and like really good cover of something is a particular pleasure, isn't it? It is. It is. I'm a big fan of interesting cover versions. Um, I think when you when you take on a song of someone else and you really make it your own, um, much like when Nine Inch Nails covered Johnny Cash's Hurt, of course. Yep. Um it really adds adds a lot of, of extra. I can't even keep a straight face. I, I was trying as hard as I could. Um, one of my favourite musicians is um, Emily Simon, a French singer. Oh, who's yeah. sort of like, if people haven't heard her before, I know that I've sent you her music constantly, Paddy. Um, if you've not heard her before, she's sort of like a French version of what would happen if Kate Bush and Bjork had a love child. And it's really unique and no one no one else quite sounds like Emily Simone, and that's kind of the closest you can get. And she's done a couple of incredible cover versions. Um, did an amazing version of Wicked Game, which is a song that I adore. Um, yeah, and then also Space Oddity, the, the David Bowie song. Huh. Um, she did a really interesting version of that as well. Wicked Game is another one where the first version I heard of that was the cover by him. You remember that one? Oh, really? Yeah, I And again, for that. ages, did not realise it was a cover. What, what are your favourite covers? Or what... Maybe what covers do you think are better than the original? 
Oh, I don't know. Like off the top of my head, I can never think of anything. But I'll have to. I'll have to get back to you on that. Because I have three that I think are better than the original song, and one of them might be controversial. Yeah, this is a go-to. You always have these ready. To actually, go. no. There's there's four. Actually, thinking about it, there's another one I've thought of, but it's kind of niche. So first one, Alien Anthem, Smooth Criminal is better than Michael Jackson. Oh yes. Criminal. Let's come on, guys. Let's be honest with ourselves here. It's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Like, genu- genuinely incredible. Um, Dead Souls, a relatively unknown Joy Division song. Um, Nine Inch Nails did an incredible cover of it. And it's kind of unfair because the, the Joy Division version didn't get a lot of, of, of play. And I think it was one of their B-sides even. Um, but there's an amazing Nine Inch Nails version of it. And then um, The Chauffeur, which is a brilliant Duran Duran song. Um, Duran Duran, underrated band, might I add. People think of them as being. Aren't they? Just... I, I would say they are rated. People still like well, them, don't they? I, I'd say they're rated, but I think people put them into just the niche of like fun '80s bands with big hair that you don't have to think about. But actually, I think there was. I think there's a lot of deep meaning in "I'm, I'm Hungry Like the Wolf." <laughs> there's absolutely <laughs> layers to "Hungry Girls Like the Wolf." On, on. Um, but I, but I, I genuinely think there was, um, th- there's more to Duran Duran than meets the eye. A bit like Aha. Lots of people think about mm. Aha as just being take on me, but actually there's a lot more depth to their music than those key songs. And the Chauffeur is one of those examples of that. But Sneaker Pimps, a band I adore, oh, yes. did a really moody, like six minute long version of the Chauffeur, and it's brilliant. Um. And then, uh, yeah, the other one I was thinking of is Lovage, which is a Mike Patton project. Um, Mike Patton, Dan the Automator, and Jennifer Charles, who's the singer of um, Elysium Fields, did like the greatest trip-hop album you'll ever hear in your life and just did one album called Music to Make Love to Your Old Lady (laughs) By. It's just the greatest album name ever. Um, And they did a cover of the song um, I'm a Sex, who I've even forgotten the name of the 80s band that did it, but it's a cool 80s track, but they did this like trip-hop version. I thought thought of one that I know Um, you love potentially, which is Orgy's cover of Blue Monday, which I love Blue Monday, but I think it takes it to another level and turns it into something that's really in your face. It's the sleazy... The sleazy new metal guitar actually really does add a new dynamic to it, yep. doesn't it? And I thought of a better one. Disturbed's cover of The Sound of Silence. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, I've, I heard a really interesting cover version last year, which was um, Author and Punisher is a one-man experimental post-metal industrial act. I don't know if I've ever sent you any Author and Punisher. No, you haven't. And they're really interesting, really odd music. Um, and they did a cover, or or he, I suppose I should say, um, did a cover of Glory Box by by um, Portishead oh. in, in the sort of post-metal industrial style. And it works really well. I, lo- I love it when people take on tropes and traditional songs and turn them into something fresh not rude and box that's my robbie williams <laughs> not rude box um and that is my attempt to do a really awkward segue into a movie that feels unbelievably fresh i think it's well I, I had a good segue as well which was that speaking of um different versions of songs i was reading about the music in this this is a trivia point that says the film features several instances both in audio and in dialogue of the 2009 days song absolutely story of a girl 
When Daniels contacted Nine Days vocalist John Hampson about using the song, Hampson enthusiastically agreed to record three alternate versions of the song for use in the film. How cool is that? That is amazing. That's really great. He must have been a big fan of Swiss Army Man. Uh, who's not a big fan of Swiss Army Man? Yeah, I know. If you're not, great. don't listen to this show. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want you. No, I know I'm always going um, on about Swiss Army Man, but like, I think people are going to forget that that film even exists because like everything everywhere all at once is a big is a sensation, isn't it? And it's mm, I think mm. deserving of the hype. What do you think? Yeah, I think absolutely. This is better than the hype for me. Um, really? I went into it. Yeah, I went into it, you know, knowing the hype, and obviously we're both fans of Swiss Army Man, we really enjoyed it, but I was not expecting it to be as incredible as it is. Because in the back of the mind, you're still like, it's the guys who made that fart film, like, how good could it be? (laughs) And I say that as someone who would put Swiss Army Man in their their top ten. Yeah, they're the guys that made the movie about Daniel Radcliffe, emotional farting corpse, flies off into the sunset farting yeah um but it's it's they said they wanted to open the film with a fart that makes you laugh and close the film with a fart that makes you cry and they achieved that (laughs) they did achieve that so where do you where do you go from there is like yeah just one of the most bonkers films that i've seen in a long time but also it's bonkers and it's really chaotic but it also totally makes sense and i i really love that about it Mm. Mm, absolutely it's not absolutely it's bonkers it's all over the place it's like a multi it's a multiverse thing basically it's many many layers doctor strange in the multiverse of madness inception whatever like i haven't seen the doctor strange one i've seen inception it's not really the same concept at all but just the the basic idea of kind of a a multiverse like Mm. it's not it does all of that in a way that is actually very very simple and not po-faced and what i love about it is that it doesn't take itself seriously I don't think it really yeah. takes itself seriously at any point, but it is an incredibly serious film, which was trying to make an incredibly serious point, which is that nothing matters. Yeah, I. Th- there have been some fucking idiots, right? Let's be honest here. Have been like, oh, this is the palatable version of a superhero movie that 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 people at the Oscars can like. And we're the first people to talk about the marvelification of cinema, aren't we? Like this, this comes yeah. up on our show a lot. About the the effect that having all these so superhero films have on like things like runtime and action scenes and the sort of the careless plotting and all these all these kinds of things that we love to talk about those are not present here. I I can understand no, why is... if you don't like superhero films or Marvel films, you uh, you would object to this and you might think that on the very very aesthetic kind of surface level, it's the same thing. If you kind of know nothing. Basically. If you're an idiot who writes <laughs> film reviews for The Guardian, for instance, yeah. shall we say. Um, if, if your name naming. begins with P and ends in Bradshaw. <laughs> no, that's too obvious. You've got to call him uh, Peter B. Um, uh, it's it's pe- People have said that, and those people are idiots. Because actually, you know what? Action movies exist outside of superhero movies. Yeah, this movie is incredibly detached from superhero films. It has nothing to do with that. And in fact, I know that people have been talking about things like Doctor Strange, multiverse of blah 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 blah. Have you watched? Have you um, seen that? Of course, I fucking have. It's direct. I mean, the Doctor Strange movies. Well, the first one was directed by a director that I really like, but I still haven't watched it because I would need to. Um, I've forgotten his name, but he's the fella who directed Sinister and various other good uh, horror movies over the years. Um, but I have no interest. <laughs> you yeah. Neil um, Breen. 
but I don't have any interest in something that story only exists to feed into a narrative of films which is never going to end. Yeah. There's no closure. I have zero interest in watching them anymore. Yeah, me too. Um, the closest comparison I would make if we're going to look at movies within cinematic history to everything everywhere all at once is Total Recall. I think that is the closest comparison mm. as an action movie that does not treat its audience like idiots, that tries to put in themes of complexity and tells that story in a exciting and often comedic way. And it has goof factor. And has goof factor. And also, like, there's also some... One thing I will say is, and, and again, you know how much I love Total Recall, this is a far more intelligent film than Total Recall. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think to- Total Recall is still kind of dumb, but because it's based on a Philip K. Dick book, you're like you you know that a uh, short story, I should say, um, you know that it comes from a place of of intelligence and and social commentary, and is is based on a a masterwork of science fiction. But at the same time, it's Arnie running around having a romp, and there is nothing wrong with that. <laughs> yeah. And and the 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 um the movie Total Recall, not the remake, the original we're talking about here, um is is probably better than the short story it's based on. The short story it's based on is actually kind of dull. It's one of his weaker yeah. works. Um, but I don't think but, anything he did was bad. I've never no, read no, anything no, no. by Every, Philip K. Dick and thought I didn't like that. At the very least, everything you read by Philip K. Dick, you come out of it thinking, God damn, there were some clever ideas there, and now I'm thinking about stuff, <laughs> and not necessarily thinking about stuff in a good way. Thinking about stuff in a way that makes me think that life is pointless, and think. not pointless in a good way, like <laughs> everything everywhere all at once. Yeah. Um, but, 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 but there is also that through road of Total Recall is a movie that talks about dreams and desires, and pathways through life and Mm. what you could achieve where actually that's a big running through road through total recall as well but actually this movie takes it a step further and rather than just looking at the individual's dreams and desires and what that means it goes into the importance of um inclusion of empathy of love Mm -hmm. and also looks into things like culture and ethnicity it has all of these different threads to it you know, you've got those threads of class, of migration. It's a brilliantly complex film. And actually, for a film where a lot of the runtime is taken up by cool fights, like, it's incredibly human. And about by mm, stuff like the idea yeah. of, you know, that there's a version of you in all of these millions of multiverses, kind of, that's very, very detached from our day-to-day life. But the way that it portrays it is so human, and that's that's the heart of it. And that, that heart is exactly the same as what's in Swiss Army Man, isn't it? about one yeah. person's struggle to just kind of get through life, right? And to to process all the things that, that could have been, all the opportunities you missed, all of those things. And those are relatively... Those can, can be kind of obvious things that are done in quite a ham-fisted way in film often, and this doesn't do that at all, does it? I think it handles those things really, really well, whilst also not trying to make out that it's clever. Like, it's it's really clever, but it's also not up itself in any way. Yeah, that they, it's it's unbelievably unpretentious in the way that it delivers this. It has a human heart to it all the way through. It's not trying to overdo things and be like, "Ah, oh, we're a clever action movie." It is just a, a a clever film by its nature, without trying too hard. Yeah, and it's something that people can 
connect to. I've not heard anything from people who've watched it and thought that was too complex for me. I don't get it. In the same way that that some people did with Inception, for instance, which is something that has been been compared. Yeah, well, that some people. Um, the, the flip side of that is that no one's been able to say, "Oh, I loved this film. It was so clever. It made me feel so clever." Which I think people did do with Inception, where people wanted to say they liked it to look clever. Yeah, it's it's. I I I'm a I'm a big fan of Inception, but then some of the stuff that came out of the other end of it would be being like, "Oh, it's such a clever movie." No, it's not. It's just they go into a dream. And then they go into another dream. And then do they go into another dream at the end? It might be three layers of dreams. Spoiler for Inception. At the end, there's the spinning top and you don't know whether it falls or not. If it falls, it's not a dream. If it carries on spinning, it's a dream. Yeah, it's it's it again. It does the total recall thing of where you're not sure at the end whether it's a it's a simulation or not. You don't know whether they're back in the real world or not. And yeah, in, uh, Inception is a movie that I enjoy. I think it's very good. But yeah, there's people who like to smell their own farts over in Inception, isn't there? Fartception. Fartception. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas I don't necessarily think you'd get that with this film because actually what drives it isn't the concept of the the science fiction-y element of the multiverse, of the various different universes and different pathways that people go down in their lives. Instead, what drives it is the human element instead yeah and also the goofiness because like the the moments of pure comedy crop up exactly when you need them just when it's kind of threatening to get a bit too serious and a bit too fighty suddenly jenny slate is swinging around a dog to use as a weapon (laughs) on the end of a lead which is just a brilliant (laughs) a brilliant scene and it's so it's so there's so much ingenuity in the fight scenes in this film because when i watched it i was i was kind of thinking to myself that there are similarities to the raid movies in terms of the intensity but also the creativity i don't know if you've seen the raid i don't think i've seen any of those what are those very good so basically um a a a swat team goes into a building and there's drug dealers and they fight them and, right. and they basically made lots it. of those because of course they did they made two of them they didn't okay. overdo it um but they're really creative um i think they made the raid and the raid two i think i don't think they they uh they they did more than that or the raid redemption or resistance or something like that the second one was called um yeah, fun fact, the director of the Raid movies went on to make a weird folk horror movie um, starring our boy um, Dan Stevens. Oh, of was, course. was the movie that you made after them called Apostle, which is a really great film. Entire, Brilliant. This is a massive tangent. Go and watch Apostle as well. Underrated. Um, I don't watch anything with Dan Stevens in it. It's Yeah, he's, he's, he's brilliant. Um, but um, but yeah, um, it, they have a similar kind of thing where it's, it's this really creative, really intense action that's very very different from what you'd see traditionally from um american filmmakers where everything now is cgi and very sluggish and boring to watch whereas actually yeah. this does have that that creativity and playfulness as well is such a big part of it um but what they do as well is make it some of that playfulness kind of horrifying when you think about it like when she confettis that guy <laughs> it's like you're like laughing and then you're like oh my god no that's like a real body horror moment of you slowly transforming into confetti and disappearing yeah and like it's an hour hour in and suddenly a guy gets like brutally murdered with a dildo and you're like okay (laughs) i see nothing can shock me in this film anymore i see and that's the point at which it's like 
They've explained the multiverse concept. They've hooked you in with all of this stuff. There's a human story going on. You know who the characters are. You know where the jeopardy is. Now they're going to spend the next hour having fun with the concept. And you're totally fine with them doing that. Yeah, it it almost feels as though they set you up with a clever idea and you get kind of suckered in with the complacency and then they start getting playful with you and they unleash the Swiss army man (laughs) on an unsuspecting audience. (laughs) Almost in the same way that you you remember when we watched Sorry to Bother You. Oh, yeah. And that has that real shift towards the horse people. That film is fantastic, um, which is yeah, an so incredible. It's like movie. an hour and a half in, and then suddenly, like, it becomes a thing about like horse people. Yeah, <laughs> so and, weird. And again, you know, unexpected in the most exceptional way, and and this does it the same way, where all of a sudden someone's being beaten to death with a pair of dildos, um, transforming into a universe where people have hot dog fingers, yeah. um, which which ends up again being one of the real emotional crutches of the movie um the bits in the hot dog finger world yeah um and that shouldn't work as a metaphor because it's really weird but it totally works doesn't it and it does yeah yeah and the raccoon ratatouille i was gonna bring that up that made me absolutely howl so the the joke is early on in the film she's trying to describe the film ratatouille and she says it's called raccoonie about she says you know it's the guy he's a bad chef then he gets the raccoon on his head and then he's a good chef and then later on they actually do that and the actor is one of the guys who was in glee yeah, it's it's brilliant, isn't it? It's a really great scene, um, and and the raccoon gets taken away by animal control, and it's it's genuinely sort of like a, another key emotional moment, and and in the hands of anybody else who didn't have the the gumption to just stamp their mark on a film like this, you 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 know you're not sure whether it would actually work, but instead you've got people with hot dog fingers playing pianos with their toes. And like when they love each other, their version of, of of having sex is spraying mustard and ketchup into each other's mouths. It's bizarre, but And it's disgusting. Like and it's it is disgusting, genuinely yeah. bits of it are very disgusting. And it's the same with Swiss Army Man. A lot of it is genuinely really nasty. But you never begrudge it and it's not it's never in any way gratuitous, is it? No, 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 absolutely. Um one thing I will say, I'm really glad that they Chekhov's gunned the butt plug trophies. <laughs> of course. Chekhov's yeah. butt plug. Um, yep. So so early on, Jamie Lee Curtis's character is the, the Great IRS, performance. Um, the, the IRS uh, inspector or whatever, whatever you'd call it. Federal um, agent. And she has all of these trophies um, on her desk which show that she's like employee of the year or whatever um and it's very obvious that they look like butt plugs and the joke is that they look like butt plugs and then then later on in the movie um the way that it works for those of you who haven't seen everything everywhere all at once is you can shift to another version of yourself in another universe who has exceptional skills that you need at that moment in time and pull those skills in to help you in that specific moment. And it's based on chaos theory. So the idea yes, that every yeah. every like diverging path of a thing you could have done, there is another universe where that happened or everything you could possibly imagine, there is a universe where that is a reality. Like um, the butterfly effect. That's yes. one I've not seen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and... Um, and because the butterfly effect is is where 
the smallest of change can have massive unintended consequences and 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 you kind of see that here and there in this movie like where hot dogs yeah i think if ashton kutcher decided to be a good actor that would have some good consequences (laughs) some white some sweeping consequences um like like in this movie where actually one of the universes uh, a species of hot dog fingered homo sapiens become dominant over yeah. regular homo sapiens uh, and that's where the hot dog fingered people come from <laughs> that that kind of thing they show the whole like prehistoric bit of that of that multiverse and that's the thing that should that's a, such a diversion from the story that it should be like a major what the fuck moment, but it works so well. Yeah, because it, it it apes on the beginning of two thousand one, a space odyssey. Yeah, with, uh, with the, but rather than using a rock as the first time that mankind has used a tool, instead it's beating someone to death with hot dog fingers. It's just and it works so well. It shouldn't work as well as it does. And if people if if it wasn't people as talented and had as much care as the the Daniels did, um, you you know it probably wouldn't have worked but it's incredible here but but yeah that and and that's how that's how it works is that you 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 look for these versions of yourself in a different part of the multiverse that has the skill set that you need in that moment in time and bring those skills to you and kind of merge your consciousnesses for a brief moment of time but what you need to do that is to have something tangible to attach yourself to that other moment so maybe it is getting a paper cut between your fingers maybe it's eating a um a lip balm stick um or in the case of some characters it's having something up your bum so these butt plug trophies at the beginning of the movie for one of the key action sequences about halfway through become actually this integral plot point and it's amazing the way that they tie it all back in and it's hilarious when you see these people doing combat with their trousers down with a pixelated cock and balls (laughs) flopping about doing this amazing um these amazing fight sequences with a with a with a trophy up their bum yeah, a lot, a lot of the running kind of jokes is about them trying to jump to another universe by doing something weird while they're fighting someone. And that happens over and over, but it never, it never gets stale. No, because it's always entertaining and it's always unique and refreshing. So actually, even though they do it every so often, it's, it never gets dull to watch because they always do it in interesting ways. And the circumstances where they need to do it are always slightly different too, aren't they? So it, it works well. Yeah, so it stacks a lot of those moments together in sequence, but I think that that still works. And you just know that they had so much fun making this. Like yeah. You get the, the impression yeah. these are two guys who just like to make each other laugh. Like all of the kind of best comedy duos. Like they, they are guys who obviously have a really, really great working relationship and come up with great ideas and can make great films. But you just know that what it all hinges on is that they can make each other laugh. I would love to be in the room with them while they're talking through ideas for like multiverses. You know that they just spent ages doing that. Like, what about a universe where they have hot dog hands? You know, just coming up with all those ideas. I think that's just awesome. Alternatively, of course, they've just been completely misunderstood all these years and we're meant to be taking everything incredibly seriously like a Darren Aronofsky movie. Yeah, yeah. And the the hot dogs represent the the, the cannibal instincts of man. Yeah, yeah, it's all very serious. The the butt plug <laughs> trophies, yeah, represent yeah the man screwing you or whatever. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah. 
but speaking of Darren Aronofsky, obviously um, Brendan Fraser won Best Actor for The Whale, um, which I have not seen and I don't think I want to see because apparently it's terrible. But the, the, like Darren Aronofsky's whole thing, I can't say that name, Darren Aronofsky, Darren Aronofsky's whole thing in that apparently is he's trying to like humanize someone who is very, very large. And like he's talking about how human it is and all the like the people who like it are talking about how human it is. And I just think that from what I can tell, it seems like that's much less human than this film that has, yeah, butt plugs and hot dog hands and Jenny Slate swinging a dog and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, because guess what? Like fat people are human already. You don't yeah. need to humanize them. You- that's the thing, isn't it? It's like the, the idea that that has to be done in the first place kind of renders it a moot point, doesn't it? Yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah. it, it it showcases the bias of the people involved in the creation of that film and the people who are praising it immediately. Yeah. And actually, when you look at the reaction of fat advocacy groups and fat advocacy campaigners, you know exactly that they have not talked to anybody in that movement about what would be a good representation there. They've literally done it the way that they feel would resolve their own actual bias and prejudice towards fat people. Exactly. Does it come from a place of probably just wanting to be absolved of your own thoughts and your own actions yeah exactly i I don't want to i don't want to put you know words into darren aronofsky's head um about what the meaning was but let's be honest that's exactly (laughs) what it was if you if you're ever struggling by the way to say darren aronofsky think about the number of um notes that's in the underground levels of the original super mario brothers darren aronofsky Darren Aronofsky. <laughs> I thought you were going to do the Batman theme. Darren Aronofsky. But that's too many. <laughs> that is too many. Yeah, no. Super Mario, World One Two. That's Darren Aronofsky's song. That's going to be amazing. That's official. Though. Yeah, I read a very good <laughs> and nuanced review of it by um, Lindy West, who does does a lot of good writing about fat phobia and those kind of topics. So mm. I recommend reading that review of the whale. It was a very good take. I'm I'm interested to read that actually. I'll look it up because I'll yeah, send you I, link. It, it makes me the moment that the movie was announced and when we saw all the press, I was immediately you know how sometimes you hear about something and it makes sort of like the hairs on the back of your neck stand up and you're yep. like, Oh, I felt exactly this isn't gonna the be same. good. Um and everything I've seen since then has 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 vindicated that initial gut instinct reaction to it. Um where I like some Darren Aronofsky films. Didn't he do The Wrestler? He did do The Wrestler. I love yeah. that film. That film yeah. is so good, but everything else of his I've seen or heard of just looks like total nonsense. See, Black Swan is fine. It's I just didn't like it. it's just another one of those movies where people are you know, oh the pressure's got to me and now I'm a crazy. Yeah. Black Swan had zero chill and zero goof factor. That's the thing. The wrestler, the wrestler had some goof factor, right? This is this it goes did. back to what we've been yeah. saying about everything, everywhere at once, and the the reason that it is so good is that it doesn't take itself too seriously. And like the wrestler takes itself just seriously enough, I think, to really get across the humanity. And obviously, Mickey Rourke's performance is amazing. But yeah, I think after that, Darren Aronofsky just decided to stop laughing at himself or laughing at anything ever. Have you seen his Noah? I've not seen Noah, but I've heard that is. Oh yeah. That looks terrible. <laughs> with, with old Russell Crowe as Noah. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, and of course, Mother, the greatest movie of all time. I've not seen that. You've seen it. I have seen it. I have no interest in watching it again. No, I'm um, not going to watch it. And Requiem for a Dream is a movie that you watch once. Oh, yeah. Very, I have heard that that's good. It's good, but it's very, very brutal, and you then never want to watch it ever again. Um, but it is it is good. Um, and The Fountain is a weird film that's underrated, I'd say. That's a weird one about weird stuff and like time travel things okay. it's it's got a very romantic angle to it i think maybe we should watch it at some point for the podcast all right i'm listening um it's it's yeah it's it's an underrated film of his when compared to some of the stuff that people love um but yeah he you're right when it comes to his movies a lot of them don't have that that absurdity of humanity it's all very much on the dower of humanity and i yeah. think actually what everything everywhere all at once gets to and what swiss army man got to so well is the um the silliness the goofiness of human beings yeah the sheer absurdity of being yeah exactly and i the the, the whole point of this movie is of course that nothing matters and actually that's something freeing that what matters well all of the pressures that you feel from the things around you actually that doesn't matter what matters is that empathy and love that you have for the people around you and empathy and the and recognition love of all the absurdity and weirdness and goofiness that exists and is all yeah. around you yeah but that you exactly. don't see because 95 percent of the time life is boring yeah exactly exactly and and it's about it's about making that choice almost about what matters to you and what's important to you and mm. how much the people that you care about are they more important than the bullshit that you have to put up with every day because that's what you're told that you need to put up with and and yeah. all of those kind of elements of this film just work so beautifully together in and and you're right this feels incredibly human a wonderfully human film this is a human film. Robbot two thousand has said it is a human film. Yep. Um, this whole yes. this whole podcast has been done by ChatGPT. <laughs> by the way, we can't we can't be bothered to do it ourselves anymore. No, we we they they programmed our voices and then they do it for us. You can actually do that, which I fucking hate. Can you? Jesus, do not ever off. do that. Like a lot of you, there's like audio synthesis AI out there that like yeah, people who write do a lot of audio books. You can put their like put those into an ai and get it to spit out a thing that sounds exactly like it and all the audiobook readers hate it just I, I bet it doesn't sound exactly like it i bet it's shit but then loads of people are going to be using it anyway in the same way that um audio transcription software has fucked up the the transcribing market yeah and, yeah and now transcribers text to speech now transcribers what they have to do is go and fix bullshit created by ais rather than doing the job properly but then they're yes. making less money because they're not doing that in integral part of it earlier on and people are getting them in to fix it instead of actually doing it properly in the first place yeah this is our future people like people like me who mostly write and create content for work it's like I'm my uh, not nothing's changed in my work yet but I I feel like the way it's going to go is that I'm going to spend 25 minutes having an AI guff out a draft at me that I'm then going to have to fix versus spending half an hour writing an article so you do you see what I mean it's like it's going to be yeah just that's bullshit. what it's that's what it's going to that's what it's going to come down to 
Um, We're going to reach a future where all the idea of improving technology has always been to allow us to have more time to do the things that we love and to focus on human things. But actually what capitalism is doing That's is... proven to be the, the biggest, literally the biggest lie that has ever been yes. told. Yeah. <laughs> what, what capitalism is doing and has always done is uh, take away the joy that people could have and the free time that people could have. And so what we're seeing with things like AI is that's now doing all of the creative stuff in an incredibly bad way and in an ineffective way, leaving human beings to do all of the bullshit that they hate. So no longer can human (laughs) beings get paid to create music, to create art, because stupid fucking neck-bearded assholes who live in Silicon Valley have decided that they can monetize terrible robots to do a bad job, and idiots with too much money in shares of companies are going to try and prioritize that over human beings. So we're going to be left doing all the bullshit until that's fully automated and then none of us are going to have any jobs and then we're going to rise up and destroy every piece of machinery and live in a Luddite utopia in about 50 years. And become horse people. And become horse people. That's where it's all going to go. I'm telling it. I'm calling it now. I want to live in the universe in um, Everything Everywhere where it's just rocks and it's like text on the screen in a nice Oh, it's beautiful, isn't it? I love that absolutely beautiful scenes those and again really funny when the rock turns around and it's got googly eyes i just lost it so funny but also so so emotionally resonant as well it's such an emotionally powerful film even and actually especially in the silly moment yeah i think it's a testament as well to the power of imagination which is yeah. something as as a yeah. father as a father i think about as a, lot as a father because my my son is so my oldest son well both my sons i mean my youngest son he can't talk yet but you can tell that he's thinking about tell him tell him to thing. hurry up come on get on with it actually well he, <laughs> he can say like one syllable words but you know he can't say a sentence but my oldest son who's nearly four he's does, like, does he does he just go id id ego he's a philosopher <laughs> freud yep freud <laughs> <laughs> he's been um chewing on that copy of alex garland's the beach that you you gave me many years ago by the way i need to give that back to you at some point <laughs> that's all right he's gonna There's absorb like, um, it through eating it a low bookshelf that ba- is like badly placed next to his playpen but there's nowhere else to put it because our house is overflowing with crap because that's what happens when you have children and he just <laughs> loves pulling all the books off there and chewing them and that's one of his uh, particular faves no, you keep it for him. I mean, he can keep that and chew on it. That's good. Oh, that's, thank you. That's sweet. That's that sweet. a kind that's... gift. <laughs> I'm glad it can be of use to him. Yeah. He also properly like chewed the head off Stuart Lee on the cover of his Brexit book <laughs> as well, which my wife was very happy about. <laughs> that's incredible. Um, well, what I was saying, my oldest son, his, his, the level of imagination he has is just astounding. And it's the most wonderful and joyous thing. And I like the number one thing I just try to do all the time is just to encourage that and to encourage him to to make things up and experience the world and experience the wonder. And just like he's always imagining stuff going on all the time. And the pace at which his mind moves imagining stuff is just amazing. And like there's so much stuff around that is, as you say, especially in the age of AI doing stuff for us, that is just unimaginative bullshit. And this mm. film is the opposite of that. Absolutely, absolutely. This is the this is the kind of imagination that we need. And one of the things that I wrote down whilst I was watching this was give the Daniels 
whatever money they want to make their next project. I think they've got a TV series in the works. Wizard Cop. Wizard Cop. Give them Wizard... Bring them in for Big Boys Productions and get them to make Wizard Cop. Genuinely, Daniels, I know you listen every week. Like, <laughs> If you guys want to take one of our stupid ideas and turn it into a film, Just take genuinely, it. they could take any of the stupid ideas we've had over the years of this podcast and make it into an awesome Oscar-winning film. I would love it. They could pick up any of them. Um, Jelly Storm <laughs> would be incredible. Opposite about, Day. Um, opposite Day would be incredible. Um, I don't know if we've still got the little snippets of recordings of those up somewhere. Go and find they're them. They're on our SoundCloud and on there. my YouTube. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, they're, <laughs> like, they're not going away. Don't worry. I'm glad. I'm glad. Um, but just give them whatever money they want to make their next project. If they've got a TV show in the work next, I think. But, cool. Well, I will watch and, every episode of that, whatever it is. And don't drag them into a franchise of any kind. Let them create their own fucking stories. You went a little bit Hero Finds Tiffin then. Get fucked. I'm Hero Finds <laughs> Tiffin, mate. Um, just just let them make, just let them create their own things. That's the thing. At this stage, I, at first, yeah, Disney bought Star Wars and then it's all like, you hear, oh, such and such cool director is going to do a Star Wars thing. I'm bored of that. They could announce any director doing anything and I'd be like, I don't care. I'm not going to have time to watch it because it's too much. It's too much stuff. Well, the- the the thing with the thing with that is that actually what they do is they bring in these cool directors to make things for Star Wars or make things for Disney, and then they decide, oh, this person has too much imagination, and we're going to try and break their legs to stop them from making something with imagination. And then either the director goes, okay, I'll 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 roll over and you can stroke my belly and I can make this movie that's now boring, or they sack them, which is more yeah. often the case with Star Wars. Is the number of people that they brought in to make things because of their unique perspective and then they fired them and the project's never gotten off the ground it's happened so many times like the i'm not saying i don't want darren aronofsky's ewok movie but like (laughs) you know it's there has to be a logical endpoint to this i just imagine the picture it's called wicket with a capital with an exclamation mark at the end and it's him looking really stern like on the front cover of mother give us darren aronofsky's wicket Come on. Um, but but that's what happened with the Han Solo movie, for instance, where they got in the guys that did the Lego movie to make it. Yeah. And then they decided this is too interesting. We're going to sack them and bring in Ron Howard to finish it. And lo and behold, what did the Lego movie people go off and do? They went off and did um, the Spider-Man animated film, didn't they? Which everybody, which everybody adored because it had that creativity Into and had the that Spider uniqueness. Verse. That yeah, one? right. I've not seen that. That's another multiverse, which one, I, isn't it? Which, which I've heard is really good. Yeah, um, I've heard nothing but good things about that. Yeah, and yeah. Solo, um, I which did, of course I didn't is, hate it. It was good. That's the thing. Ron Howard, he's probably the most competent filmmaker you could yeah, name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, is he the most imaginative or inventive? And 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 he was happy to work within the confines of what Disney Star Wars wanted him to make, which I think is an you know that says it all about how much creativity people can have. Like there's a there's a Taika Waititi um, Star Wars movie allegedly on the go, but who knows if that'll ever get off the ground? That's exactly it. And I I love Taika Waititi. Jojo Rabbit is brilliant. Uh, it's like mm. one of the mm. best films I think of the last few years. But like, yeah, he's a good example of this, isn't it? Where like now he's just doing all that stuff for the big studios and Marvel, and he did a, did a Thor, didn't he, or whatever? And it's like I'd rather he was just doing something of his own idea, of his own making, you know? Yeah, and I can understand. Although he, some... he's doing a lot of stuff, I can't keep up. Yeah, 
I can understand creators, for instance, alternating. So they do one project for a big studio that makes them a lot of money so then they can help finance something that they do. And George Clooney does that as an actor, doesn't he? Is mm. he, does, he does a trash piece to be able to then afford to do a project that he really cares about. It happens, happens quite a lot. Um, but with the Daniels... Do they really need to take that approach now? They're two. No. They're only two feature-length movies into their career, and they've already won all the Oscars. Yeah. So yeah, whatever they do next, it, it's going to be a tall order living up to it. But yeah, I just hope they do something that is is what they want to do. Yeah, rather than um, Disney saying, "Hmm, we want to do another." Iron Man movie now because it's been enough years since Robert Downey Jr. retired from being Iron Man and we want to reboot it. Hey, let's get the Daniels in and we'll give them all the money and then we'll sack them halfway through production because they've made a movie that's got too much creativity and not enough transphobia for our liking. <laughs> yeah. Or they'll su- they'll suddenly re- it will suddenly come out that they did a movie about a farting corpse because nobody knew. <laughs> yeah, like with <laughs> James Gunn. And then they'll be cancelled. <laughs> Where they're like, James Gunn used to make off-colour jokes on Twitter. <laughs> we better sack him from making Marvel movies. It's like, what did you expect? He used to work for, um, oh, what are they called? Um, the really, really out there, like, horror comedy um, production company um, who used to make Toxic Avenger movies. Oh, um, yeah, I know who you mean. I can't remember. Troma. He used to work for Troma. So of course he was going to be making horrible jokes constantly because that's where his that that that's that's where his roots were. Marvel knew about this. And 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 what came out of that was actually that they sacked him. He went off to go and do um do The Suicide Squad, which is a better movie than any Marvel movie. And now he's running production for DC movies or something ridiculous like that off the back of it. Yeah. It's like that. But it's all content. That's the thing. <laughs> Everything everywhere all at once is not content. It's a film. It lasts for it's quite a long film. It's about two and a bit hours, isn't it? Yeah, but I still felt like it, it packed a lot in and it, it felt it was a, it was really well paced. Yeah, suddenly it was at the end. I was like, Oh, it's over already. I was expecting it to be longer. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't feel like it's that long. It it feels fresh all the way through. And what's great about it is that it begins and it ends, and you have yeah. a full, wonderful, complete story, and you feel complete after watching it. There's no after credit sequence where Iron Man turns up or Captain America turns up and says, we need to use your multiverse powers to go and fight a giant skull in space. You know, there's none of that nonsense. <laughs> it is yeah, a what they should have experience. done was they should have had the farting corpse turn up. That, that, I mean, what would have been great is I would have loved it if they did give a little nod to Swiss Army Man where for like one millisecond when they're doing the really sh- like choppy look through the different universes, there was one where she was a farting corpse or something like yeah. that. I would have loved that. I would have been like, I got that reference. That was good. Um, but yeah. It, oh, yeah, you just see Paul Dano riding Daniel Radcliffe across the horizon at some point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Something like that would have been cool. Um, but it didn't need it. It didn't need it. And um, it's just nice that it's all complete. One thing I did want to bring up, is it my imagination or was Brighton Beach's ruined pier in one of the random snapshots for half a second? I think it might have been. Yeah. You know. It looked really familiar and I swear that was 
that was the ruined pier at Brighton Beach. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of ruined piers everywhere, but like the structure looked really, really similar. It's a distinctive structure. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, but I, th- I don't think you're wrong. Which makes me very happy because it means that people who saw a farting corpse in a movie were near to where I live. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, that, this this movie is in, incredible. I, 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 I still I haven't seen it. Ratatouille. Have you not seen Ratatouille? No, I think it's probably the only Disney Pixar Mate, film I haven't seen. Watch it; it's great. It's got a, a rat who makes food. I mean, what more could he you ask? On, he pulls on people's hair and he helps them create incredible dishes. It's it's really good fun. Actually, it's a really nice a really nice film. Well worth watching. I'm grateful to it for giving us yeah one of the funniest jokes in this film. That is loaded with jokes. <laughs> It's loaded with jokes. Um, so, yeah, have you got anything else you'd like to say about everything, everywhere, all at once? Uh, no, I don't think so. Just the, oh, the 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 kind of the way they do the the big evil thing. It's it's an everything bagel, and that's a big that's a funny joke to Americans because that's the thing you have in America. We don't have everything bagels here, but it's a it's a bagel you go in the shop, you sell, have the everything bagel, and they throw all the seasoning on it. That's so I appreciated that. That was a funny joke. Yes, no, that was that was really good. Particularly the the sesame and poppy seed bit. It's like that's yeah, really, <laughs> they're talking about all the things. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that was so. Again, even that's like the whole crux of the film. That like, if that was a Marvel film, that would be like the big reveal of the big scary evil thing. It's a bagel. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, it's great. It's great, isn't it? So yeah, uh, overall, it's it's a fantastic film. Deserves the hype. Deserves all the awards that it won and more. Mm. And I think I think everyone should see it. It's great. I don't want to over hype it, but it is. It's a fantastic film. It's very very. It's an assault on the senses. Not gonna lie. It's not a gentle film that kind of washes over you. It's one you do have to strap yourself in for. But it's it's brilliant. It's it's human. It's humane. Mm. It's imaginative. It's creative. It's all of the things that are good about life and it aims to highlight all of those things about what it's like to live and be human as well it's yeah it's great it's profound but also silly and those are those are the best kinds of films that's what we and love yeah that is that is what we love isn't it it's just something yeah something new so i've got a little bit of trivia for you um so this was the first sci-fi film to win the oscar for best picture of course um which is oh. which is great um did you yeah it's and really I wonder how many have been nominated. Then. Yeah, no, not not many. I'd like to at some point do a deep dive on the history of yeah, that. Yeah, it's it, it comes up every so often, doesn't it? Um, like, um, what was the one um, where it's all one shot and Sandra Bullock's in space? Because she won the Oscar for Best Actress, didn't she, for that year? Arrival. Arrival. No, that was no Interstellar. Inter- no, not Interstellar either. No. What's it called? <laughs> I'm just saying space words. <laughs> I mean, they're all movies. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> I can't remember the name of the film now. <laughs> I can't remember. I'm not looking at Sandra. Bullock. Um, I need to. I need to look it up. Oh my god, what is it? How can I not think of it? It's called. I think it was called the bus. That it's called. It's down. called like Moon Space or something. Is it? <laughs> It's moon space. <laughs> yeah, it's something like that. Something very obvious. Um, gravity. <laughs> gravity. <laughs> That's right. Gravity. Um, yeah, Alfonso Cuaron, who um, I think, sh- didn't she win 
Um, didn't she win best best actress or was nominated or something like that? Or maybe he won best director or something. But every so often it comes. Every so often a sci-fi movie comes up, and then doesn't it won seven awards including best director best original score best cinematography and best visual effects there we go so they couldn't give it couldn't give it best picture um so yeah every so often they come up and they they give them a nod but they don't let them win because they don't like genre movies unless they have such a huge cultural significance that they have to give them and have to give them an oscar moon space <laughs> moon space <laughs> Sandra Bullock in Moonspace. Um, but in spite of all of the incredible visuals and and those sci-fi elements in this movie, all of the visual effects for it were done by nine people, including the two directors. That's awesome. Um, and none of the vi- none of the visual effects team went to school for VFX. They actually all taught themselves how to do it. Um, which goes to show that actually there's all of this real creativity and ingenuity in the way that they do things. And one thing that is really interesting is I noticed they use an awful lot of practical effects in this film. Yes. And that's really nice. I love a practical effect and everything feels that much more real, particularly when you combine that with CG and you do that hybrid approach. Um, it, It works so well. And this is a brilliant example of how well it can work. The effects were fantastic. Uh, yeah so yeah. good and yet not they didn't look sort of overly shiny and ersatz like they do in in marvel films you know they were really obviously really good yes yeah i think as well we haven't really touched on the performances that much but the performances are all fantastic as well you know mm, and, um mm. michelle yo absolute queen love her in everything but in this this is like the performance of her career i think it's oh yeah so yeah. good and everyone does a great job Everyone is is amazing in this movie. Genuinely an incredible incredible cast. Everyone pitch perfect for the movie that they're they're looking to um looking to make, I think it's fair to say. Um Absolutely. I would, yeah, I wouldn't change anything in terms of the casting in this movie. Um one another thing to bring up um is we could have had a triple Daniel situation. Um, oh, yeah. where Daniel Radcliffe was approached to be in the film somewhere um, but had to turn it down because of scheduling conflicts and what he said was that the Daniels are probably the only people in the world that I would say yes to doing a movie of theirs without even seeing the script that's good um, which is very sweet and fully justified of course yes yeah um, and there's a really interesting thing that we as English speakers um, might not have picked up which is that um, Evelyn speaks to her father in Cantonese, but when she's speaking to Waymond in um, in Mandarin, which is about oh, right. trying to signify yes. the cultural differences um, and the class differences and everything like that in their upbringing. Um, and then also there's then the sort of relevance to, that, that is easier to pick up about her speaking to Joy in Mandarin um, and then Joy answering back in English. Yeah. That kind of thing to sort of help... It helps solidify the thematic elements of this film really well the way that they use the different languages impressively it's it's all very very cleverly laid out and that kind of thing's really really well done yeah i thought that was really really well well done expertly handled mm. absolutely absolutely um but yeah that'll, that'll do for trivia there's loads of interesting trivia about this movie but i won't i won't uh i won't go on about anything else yeah nice well yeah, how are we the, gonna the biggest this? one was the biggest one was moon space of course moon space <laughs> Um, uh, how many 
hot dog fingers do you suck on for love? <laughs> I'm gonna, I've got a whole eighteen hot dog fingers of yeah. a possible twenty, <laughs> and and I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go up to nineteen. This is a, a wonderful film, brilliant, so one of the best films in recent years. Yeah, absolutely, it's a a brilliant, a brilliant film. So yeah, it's obviously all downhill from there. What have you got for us next? You know what? I I hadn't even thought about what we had next. Um, no, it's it's your choice. This was this it was is my, my it is my choice. Um, screw it. Let's go, Showgirls. Let's really drag it down. To All right. Awful. We were talking about that recently. We were we? talking about it recently, and I think we should watch it. So let's watch Showgirls next. Yeah, the film that I feel like I maybe have seen half of on TV. Don't watch it with the kids around. <laughs> no, I won't. And they, also they don't, don't watch, watch films. it. They're, and also don't watch it books. on the phone on your way to work either, because people will think you're a pervert. Oh, okay. That's one of Just those. <laughs> One of those you. kind of films. <laughs> Just to warn you. But it does have Carl McLaughlin in it. So, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm genuinely quite interested to see it. I think it's it's got an interesting reputation. Yes. Uh, interesting is definitely the word for it. I'm intrigued to hear, hear your thoughts when we get around to watching it. All right. Well, that's exciting. But yeah, this was a good week. Good, great film to be talking about. Um, so you can find us on Twitter at Big Boys Don't Pod. You can email us, Big Boys Don't Cry Podcast at gmail.com. There's a link in our show notes to where you can give us money, like a virtual tip jar. Hope you enjoyed everything everywhere all at once. And if you haven't seen it, please go and watch it right now. It's on. It's free on Amazon Prime. What are you doing? Go and watch yeah, it go now. Go do it. Go watch it. Yeah. All right. And we'll be back next week to talk about Showgirls. All righty. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Cause you can't, you won't, and you don't stop. Cause you can't, you won't, and you don't stop. Cause you can't, you won't, and you don't stop.